Have you ever felt like there isn't enough time in the day? Or like you don't have time to take care of your well-being and build your dream? Or maybe you felt like it's impossible for you to go to work and still build that business that you envision at the same time. Well, so have we. And this is why we decided to make this podcast. This podcast is not just for PTs, OTs, MDs, or RNs. It's for everyone in healthcare. Our mission is to inspire you to make healthcare a better place and to build your business or brand through stories and real-life examples of some of the top leaders and entrepreneurs in healthcare. There's no better time than now. Welcome to Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, I am your co-host, Mr. Carlborn Jr., and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Mr. Paulo Ching. And today, we have a special guest for you. We have Dr. Aaron LeBauer, the Cash PT, on with us. So, Aaron, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Carl. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate you guys inviting me on your show. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Aaron, let's, let's, let's dive right into it. So, a lot of people that are listening are probably thinking, what, what is this cash PT? Like, what is cash PT? How do I get into it? And also, what made you choose cash PT versus other routes in physical right. therapy? Awesome. Well, I'll answer the, the first easy question first. Like, what is it? It's basically where as a physical therapist, I'm going to contract directly with my patient who's the customer for my business. So we're going to have a direct relationship. I don't bill insurance. I don't file insurance claims and we don't rely on insurance to cover the PT because I want to make the decision to come see us the decision because it's what the person needs and my treatment will not be influenced by how we get paid because I know the patient's going to compensate us fairly. How is it different? There's also in-network where people pay a copay and we file all insurance claims. And then there's out-of-network, which, which to me, the difference between that and cash is it's small, but it's a semantic one where it says out-of-network because we are out-of-network, but out-of-network, I still file a claim on behalf of the patients. And maybe mm-hmm. I do some billing or balance billing for them. So we're basically out-of-network and we don't file claims. And that's cash PT. And how did it, people have been doing it for a while? but no one was talking about it. And when I got out, before I got out of school, so this is how I got into it. I was a massage therapist before I went to PT school. So I've been a massage therapist over 20 years and I quickly went into school. I was like, I'm going to be a PT. I'm going to be able to help people and I'm going to get a job. (laughs) My first clinical rotation, I saw 43 patients one day. And that was the day I realized that I can't treat patients the way that I knew they needed to be treated. And I was going to have to do something different. And I knew people needed to be treated in a different way because as a massage therapist, people were coming to me and saying, Aaron, I've been to PT, I've been to acupuncture, I've been to massage, I've been to see multiple orthopedic surgeons, and no one's touched me where I hurt or helped me feel any better until I came to see you. I was like, oh, okay. And I was spending an hour with patients. So I knew they needed more time and more hands-on work, and no one was going to pay me to do that as a PT. So I started my own, my own business. Nice, nice. And... Uh... I know that you you have the your your book uh, the Cash PT Blueprint that's mm-hmm. out. 
a lot of really good gems in there for anyone who's looking to, you know, start their own cash-based clinic. And something that I read in there that I actually wanted to ask you about. So I noticed that you talked about going to, uh, as podcasters, I mean, I know you had your podcast as well. So we all, you know, we listen to podcasts. And I think the three of us can agree on that the School of Greatness is probably one of the best podcasts out right oh, now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I noticed that you went to, uh, to, to Lewis House's summit. So mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about that. And, uh, you know, do you feel like that, that helped with your business? How did it help? You know, just, just what does going to a, a summit or a seminar, you know, do for your business? Oh, yeah, it's, that's a great question. So it, a little bit of it starts back when I was trying to start my own business. I was looking to physical therapists for the answer of how to start my own business. And I quickly realized the answer of how to do it the way I wanted to do it wasn't the way everyone else was doing it. And I have to go outside of our industry. So I started listening to the School of Greatness podcast and I went through one of Lewis House's courses on branding and marketing because at the time I was like, I need to learn branding and marketing. I'm not learning anywhere else. And I immediately got a return on my investment in the course the, within the first week. Um, it wow. was pretty incredible. Um, and then like, I paid like $2,000 for the course. By the end of 10 days, I had generated um, another twelve to $18,000 uh, in, in revenue in wow. my business. Yeah. You know, right? Great. Okay. That's a win. Well, okay. I got to go to Lewis's event. And he had invited me to his event when I got in the course. And so I went and there's one thing I got out of it was that people that are doing great things, not to use the cliche for those, but people that are the speakers who are doing these amazing things, they have a vision that's bigger and further beyond just themselves um, that allows them to keep striving, but they knew they have a clear idea what it was. And I left that going, oh, I've got this clear idea. What, What is my vision and my mission? It took me a while to formulate it. I knew I needed to have one. And so what it does is going to events specifically outside of our industry allows me to take these ideas and bring them back into PT and help other physical therapists. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, is I get to go and I get to meet other people who think like I do, who are okay swimming against the stream or going down a different path and have creative ideas. And they're all going to say, that's a great idea rather than you can't do that, which is all I heard the first four or five years out of PT school trying to start my business. And that's Mm -hmm. a big thing I get by going to events is I get to be with other people or I have a greater chance of meeting other people that are like me on a similar path and we can help and collaborate and help each other grow. Awesome. I was going to kind of ask something a little differently, right? I tend to be a little more informal. I think like, so kind of going back to the cash PT thing, you know, on one side, I can attest like the struggles that have to come with insurance, especially with like the in-network, out-of-network, out-of-network, you know, things, and I'm sure everybody listening to the episode um, in healthcare understands that insurance is like this giant beast that you have to overcome. And it honestly, some point limits the kind of care you can have with your patients. So the first question I want to ask you is one, like how has being a cash PT and having a cash PT practice enhanced your relationship with the patients? And then two, what has being an entrepreneur done for like your relationship with your family? Because I know Mm. you have a daughter, you have a wife. So what has that done for the patients and the family? Yeah. You know, I think uh, with patients, it's really like, like I work for patients. Like that's my job is I work for them. 
they don't tell me what to do and I treat them be the way they want me to, but I work in their best interest. And there's no one else's interests that are in the mix, not the referring provider and not the insurance that's paying. And so it's allowed us to build a deep relationship with them and spend time, enough time with them so that we can truly help them and help them stay where they are and improve over time. Being an entrepreneur and then shifting, like being an entrepreneur has allowed me to spend more time with my family. Um, you know, there's no, there, there's like this myth, like that there's work-life balance. There's work-life balance if you work for someone else, because you want balance. You don't want to be working for someone else all the time, but as an entrepreneur, it's more of a work-life mix. Like I'm always kind of working, but I got to mix it with my life. And how do I do that is I, I try to schedule my time and come to work and get things done. And I, I do my best to go home and focus with my kids. One of the easiest ways for me to do that is to take them out of town and go on vacation. So being an entrepreneur has allowed me to have the time, freedom, and flexibility to, right. in 2019, I was out of town 81 days with my family. Hey. Almost three months. Holy crap. Not consecutive, but wow. I counted up 81 days outside of Greensboro with someone in my family. It was my kids at family camp for a week, my, um, my wife in Asheville for a week while the kids were at summer camp, or with my dad and my brothers for my dad's 79th birthday weekend in New York City. We, I got to spend time, you know, I, I did some work here and there and checked in right? because I've got my systems and business set up where I can go work for an hour or two yeah. or check in where I can just go off grid for two weeks and the thing will still be here and still generate us revenue. So something I've noticed, and especially like, you know, with me, we talk about it, you know, I have my business going and something I've noticed when it comes to like being an entrepreneur, especially a young entrepreneur. Mm-hmm is um you either have like especially if you haven't figured out who needs to be in your corner and who needs to be in your team and who you need to talk to um one of the first things you kind of experience at the very beginning are either the people that are like yeah go for it they have no belief in your dream but they're just like go for it and they hope the best for you but they kind of like expect things to go wrong Right. And then on the other side, you have the people that are like, you are wasting this opportunity that you currently have. The opportunity that most people um, who want to be entrepreneurs is limiting them. Right. It's not letting them push past where they are into their true potential. Right. So um, did that in any way, and I know I, I obviously know like a little bit of your story, but did that in any way express itself when you went from like even doing the massage therapy to PT school? Yeah. I mean, when I, when I, when I, was approaching graduation in PT school. So my first clinical rotation was when I saw 43 patients that one day I was there till like 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. Right. It was crazy. So um, my last clinical rotation was with this guy, Alan Ling. I'll always be indebted to Alan for teaching me um, some amazing things about being a business owner. Um, there are two things that happened. Before I left uh, California, we did a six-month clinical rotation. Alan offered me a job making $97,000 out of PT school, um, like a huge con ed allowance, uh, the ability to manage one of his three locations and be like the manager, like, and have a um, long-term vested interest and ownership as well as housing assistance. Sweet deal. Yeah, that was a great deal. No (laughs) one, I mean, I was the only one in my class that actually got a stipend on this rotation, um, which the first month I think was, was uh, housing, second month was housing plus 500 bucks, and then it got to $2,000 plus the free place to stay. Um, so, but I gave that up to open my own business because I knew there was something bigger for me. 
And then the other place, so that was, I think, like part of that first part of that question is like, I had this great opportunity. I had to give it away to be an entrepreneur. And when I did and I told people about it, everyone told me it's not going to work. It's unethical to, you know, to not do use insurance and no one's going to pay more than their copay for physical therapy. Right. I was like, really? Like, that's the way you think. I was like, I'm charging 10 more dollars an hour than when I was a massage therapist. So the massage therapist was charging 85. And I was like, people are going to pay me 10 more dollars an hour as Dr. LeBauer, right? Like one of the reasons I didn't actually charge over a hundred is because everyone told me it wasn't going to work. And I was like, well, 10 more dollars an hour, like people are going to pay me for Dr. LeBauer. And they did. And we charge way more than a hundred dollars a visit now, but we don't even, we don't really charge per visit anymore. And that's a little bit different conversation, but it affected me because there were more than just people saying, good luck. There were people saying, you can't do it. It's not possible. And actually it's wrong to try to do that. Right. And so like for the person, the entrepreneur, man, that's like that. I think that theme is too prevalent mm-hmm. in this entrepreneurial journey where people, oh, this gets me fired up, where people start to tell you what you can't do right. when you're starting out. Right. I mean, they almost like put their limitations on your dream. So for the entrepreneur that is getting a lot of that right now or has gotten a lot of that or hasn't even gotten it. Mm-hmm. What, what would you, if they hit the head of one-on-one with you, what would you say to them to kind of get them to see past that yeah. blocked view? That's a great question. It's basically when you hear that, when you hear that it's not going to work, you can't do it, you're not good enough. What that really means is you've got a great idea. The other person is just afraid because they couldn't do it themselves. It's, it's kind of like uh, when your patient comes to see you and they say, oh, my doctor told me I'm bone on bone. I need surgery. <laughs> and you're like, does it hurt? They're like, no, but I'm bone on bone. And they're like, it's kind of like, you're just getting an incongruent message and you're not getting the whole picture. And so it, it's like, to me, when someone says I'm bone on bone, it doesn't hurt. Um, it's all in my head. I've been to five different people and I, you know, I still have a problem. I'm like, I can help you. If right. someone's telling you that you've got a bad idea, you're getting, the haters are coming out. You're getting like a cease and desist letter. Like I did. Um, you're, and maybe at the same, the same month, I got an invitation to speak at a conference in Florida. Just take it as a sign that you're doing the right things. You're just not surrounding yourself with the right people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, um, to kind of, to kind of follow up on that, that last bit that you said there, um, one, one of the things that me and Paul have really tried to key in on is the fact that if you want to be successful, you have to make sure that the right people are in your corner. Mm -hmm. So what would you say in terms of your journey has been the way you've kind of navigated through being able to decipher, like, who's a good mentor for you? Um, you know, who really has your best interest in mind versus who just wants to be there to see if they can kind of cash in, mm-hmm. you know, on, on your success? Yeah. Well, the people you pay are always going to have your best interest in mind most of the time. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, unless you know, if I'm paying a coach to coach me, he's going to coach me. Um, you know, like the best way he knows, because he wants to keep me as a client. If someone, if, if I'm trading services with people, I've had bad experience with the trading, but you know, so that's another thing. It's like, nothing's free. Um, and you can't give away, I learned this from my wife. You don't give away anything you, when you expect something in return. Mm-hmm. But so one, I, I, I pay for coaches and mentors and to learn what I need to learn from other people. I pay for services, but I also have to pay to go to events like we talked about before to put myself in a room with someone like Greg. Um, I'm, 
you know, it's like you kind of get a feeling like who's the, who are the people that you need to surround yourself with? And they're the people that help you. And then they're people that push you and the people that um, challenge you in a good way mm-hmm. um, without trying to put you down and uh, pull the rug out from under you. And sometimes you got it. The people that get you one place aren't the same people that get you to the next level. The people that get mm-hmm. you to six figures aren't always the people that are going to get you to seven or then, you know, above that to eight or the people that get you to two weeks off of work aren't the same people that get you to 81 days off of work. Um, wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like that's one of those things too, that I think coming into the entrepreneurial game, at least for me, I, for me, I think I wasn't aware of, but I just happened to be at the right place at the right time with the right. Mm-hmm. And where I think for many people, they just often assume like, well, whoever started with me and there's nothing wrong with being loyal to the people that brought you into the game. But at the same time, like there are different levels to it. And so like getting that 81 days, getting a hundred, getting 120, whatever days off where you can do whatever you want in a single year is going to require doing things at a completely different level, having mm-hmm. a different amount of people. I mean, and I'm just going to shamelessly plug your event here. <laughs> Thank you. Right. So you got, cause you know, you've got the PT con uh, biz event coming up March 21 and 22, right? 20th, uh, 19th through 21st, 19th through 21st. And at there, you're going to have um, multiple people who have done just that. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be taking the weekend to teach people how to level up. Because right. obviously, one of the things I think Zig Ziglar said it in like one of those closing statements that I study, where he's just like, well, if a year from now, you look back and you're at the same exact place you were last year, mm-hmm. then the only person to blame is you. Right. Because you've, had, you've done absolutely nothing. All you've done is the same amount of stuff. Um, I think one of the other things that Chanel Yoder, um, that we all know, said something about, you know, the person that we grew up to be last year is the average person we are this year. And, you know, just those two things kind of like resonate with me with that statement where like we have to put ourselves forward into um, a place where we can grow and level up and start to hit a different level with different people that are actually there, right? We talked about that in one of the previous episodes, finding people that are where you want to be. Right. You know, for us, like you're there, a lot of our mentors are there and we look to you guys and say, well, as great as we are doing here, and I'm not going to say like, you know, down here, but like as great as we are doing here at the earlier stages, mm-hmm. it also behooves us to get on an episode or get on a call and talk to people and get coaching where we can actually get to where we want to be. Right. Right. And so I know like, you know, the, the event coming up, um, kind of give us, you know, a little taste. Don't give us, don't give us everything. Yeah. Right. Because people need to attend. People need to attend. Just right. kind of a little taste. What's something that um, we can expect to get there? Yeah, I think there's a there's a couple big things. Um, number one, it's the community and the people. Right. So it's it's uh, I think number one for me is being around other people who are entrepreneurs, because entrepreneurs, we think differently than our classmates who just want a job. They got into PT because they were an exercise and sports science major and they didn't know what else to do. So they figured, well, you know, PT is good. Um, but we're people that want to change. And in order to grow, like you were mentioning, growth is uncomfortable. Okay. You know, you're in a growth phase when it hurts, yeah. when business hurts, when you're in a growth phase and it's, it's a little bit easier to get through growth phases with other people that understand what your growth phase looks and feels like. So that's a big thing you're going to get there. Number two, I would say that it's the opportunity 
to learn what's working, not just in physical therapy, but outside of our industry as well. Because we've got some people coming in from outside of our industry, Trevor Bachmeyer, Bedros Koulian, who are, Trevor's a chiropractor and he's got a huge business in China and, and Bedros is a Fit Body Bootcamp uh, CEO. He's uh, people I know because they're gonna bring things in because we can't stay within our community to learn. We have to pull things outside from outside and adapt them to physical therapy. And that's a big thing. What I'm teaching as well is how I've taken sales strategies from fitness and adapted it to physical therapy and healthcare sales. They're going to get a huge boost in their confidence and their bottom line, as long as they take action on one of the strategies, the growth or marketing strategies that they learn. Can I ask another question real quick? Yeah, of course. So something I think and I try to be very mindful of speaking on it, that happens to be, you know, just a significant part of our entrepreneurial journey is the money game and how we have to play it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, like you were saying, people are telling you charging a hundred bucks for a PT session is insane, right? Like right. who's going to pay for that? Especially if there's no copay, but clearly insurance companies have valued that people mm-hmm. will pay a certain amount. I mean, they're paying the copay, they're paying the insurance company just to keep them covered. They're paying for any accidental things that don't somehow make it into the claim. Mm -hmm. So if insurance companies have, you know, made that decision that they can just decide for a certain amount of year, this person's worth this much and they will contribute to it. Right. And so clearly, um, when we start going into the money game as entrepreneurs, especially in healthcare, what would you say would be like maybe one or two steps somebody would have to like take? in deciding one, what their service is worth, and then two, understanding where they are in the market and how to actually say, this is what I'm doing and nothing less. Right, right. I think the problem is, there's some people that grow up with a great money mindset, but whether we grow up with a great money mindset or not, and we become a healthcare provider, where we're getting paid 50 bucks, the copay is 25 to 75, and we don't really know what the business is charging or getting. We just sort of like here, but like the business may be charging $600 for every 15 minutes and they may only be getting 150. We don't know. It's like a incongruent problem. So that kind of messes with our value mindset. So when we want to look at figuring out how much do we value, what we have to really look at is, well, what's the worst possible outcome of someone with back pain not coming to see me? Okay. And that worst possible outcome is that they die in a routine surgery for back pain, which happens all the time. And it's happened to a a physician here in town that I knew. So what's the value? Let's just say whether that person or someone else can come through and I can save them from a hospital born infection, um, losing a limb or dying. Like, is there a value to that? No, there's not. Like, I'm going to answer it for you. There's no value to that. Right. Yeah. So if we bring it down from the dreadful to the day to day, and I say to someone basically, you know, or I say to myself or coaching client, okay, what is it that you help people do? Well, I fix their knee. You don't really fix their knee. You take the pain and discomfort away from their knee. You give them confidence to run again when everyone else has told them they should stop running because they have bone on bone arthritis and they're going to do damage. And we give them not only the ability to get back and do their activity that brings them joy and clear head and a clear mind. We allow them to become better parents 
more confident in themselves and their body, more productive at work, and more focused with their kids. And if I can do that, there's, there's a, I mean, that's worth at least a couple thousand dollars if someone's been missing that. Like, I know that. But like, what you have to do is ask yourself, like, what is that worth? There may not be a price you could put on that, but is it okay to ask that person for $2,500 for that? I think so. I think that's okay. If we take it to the, the, another level and say, and I've been talking to some of my mastermind students about this as well. It's like, if you're a pelvic floor therapist and you have a patient that cannot have sex with their partner, like, and you can give that back to them in five to eight visits or three to six months, isn't that worth a couple thousand dollars? Yeah. Absolutely. If we look at those things and what are we actually doing for people? Then what we do is we say, okay, how much time did that take me? That took me 10 hours. All right. 2,500 divided by 10 hours is 250 bucks. All right. For billing purposes, it's going to say $250 um, per hour on your bill. But what I'm really doing is I'm trading you your life back, this transformation in your life back for just a couple thousand bucks. I think that's pretty fair. And that's the way I look at it. And it's really hard for us to see that when we've been trained to be in the other mindset of time for money, copay is $25, you know, and uh, I only make 55. So if I go out and I charge 75, well, that's not much more than the copay. I'm getting a little bit more, but that's way undervalued for what the life-changing things that we're doing for people. Yeah, for, for sure. And you know, it's, uh, to, to, to kind of piggyback off of that into uh, the next question, Aaron, I know that as well in, in your book, you talked about there being four different mindsets that you need to have, mm-hmm. you know, the value mindset, worth mindset, and then the primary care PT mindset and the doctor mindset. Right. Something that I have found that's predominant in uh, our profi- profession is that there are a lot of clinicians, especially I even had a teacher that said this recently, who they say, oh, you know, I don't, I don't really like to get caught up in the whole doctor thing. You know, you don't have to call me a doctor. And I just think it's crazy because it's like, you, so you mean to tell me like you paid over six figures, you know, for this education and to, to have the right to be called a doctor and, you know, you don't you don't want to embody that. You don't want to embrace that. And kind of how Paul asked about the value, how do you think that the having that primary care PT as well as that doctor mindset gives you so much more clarity in terms of being able to decide what your rates are going to be and, and, and just having that confidence, you know, to tell a patient upfront, like, this is how much I charge. And this right. is what it is. Yeah, I think that a big part of that goes to you don't actually have to have a DPT or a PhD or a doctorate in education, whatever it is, to have the mindset. And the mindset is basically, I'm your healthcare provider. I go to bat for you. I help you make decisions. And really, you're going to allow me and pay me to make some decisions for you. So my recommendation is we get you into our Based on what you told me, my recommendation, my prescription is we get you into our back to the box program or back to the mat program or return to running program. And we're going to, and it's going to be $2,000 and we're going to do these things. It's like, it's the ability for me to be confident enough in my skills and in my mindset to make a recommendation for patients and tell them what I need. Even if I don't know, it's going to fix the problem. 
I'm pretty sure it will help and I can't guarantee. And at that same time, it's then, all right, now I've got the confidence to be the primary care provider. It's basically a decision maker, not a technician, not someone who's told, you know, three times a week, heat, ice, and stim. And I do it like that's not, that's not decision making. And if we have that mindset and patients come to us and ask us for help and we make the decision, you sometimes are going to have a hard time understanding, well, Dr. LeBauer told me to do this, but my surgeon told me never to do that. Like, who do I trust? And that messes with their heads a lot. And because we do that, we go to bat and I don't have to worry about a financial relationship um, getting ruined because of my decision-making process, because my decision-making process is independent of those relationships, insurance and referrals. And so what that does is then it allows us to develop this confidence that, hey, I can charge this little amount because I'm helping you make this big decision and transformation in your life. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Another question that I had for you. So I know for for your cash-based PT model that you do a lot of like manual therapy. So a lot of myofascial release, dry needling. What would you say to the PTs that are wanting to go into a cash-based business model, but they're afraid and kind of wary about being able to efficiently treat their patients without having, because uh, I know you said as well, based off of that model, that there are like certain equipment and there's modalities that you don't use. Right. So what would you say to uh, PTs that have that objection that they might not be able to treat efficiently with lacking those things? Right. Um, the, the real answer might take more time than we have. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but in brief, in brief, it's basically, if you can get a good result for people, then they'll pay for it. If you can provide something that no one else is providing, um, people will pay. You can solve a problem that no one else is able to solve. They will pay you. Physical therapy, myofascial release, dry needling, um, corrective exercise, McKenzie, grass, and all these other things, those are just um, features of our business and tools we use to deliver a change and solve a problem. But they are not the only ways to do that. So just because you don't use your hands doesn't mean you can't charge cash. Or just because you you do use these things doesn't mean you can't provide some value to people that they can't find anywhere else. And a lot of that has to do with how we market and position and sell our business and the profession of physical therapy. And it's not about what we learn in PT school and what we spend a ton of time and money paying to, to knowledge to gain. You know, we paid a ton of knowledge and and spent a lot of time and we paid a lot of money and we spent a lot of time getting the knowledge in PT school. And we, we like attached to that, but patients don't give a shit about it. Yeah. They don't, they just want to know, can we help them? What's in it for me? And if I can solve that problem for them, it doesn't matter how I do it. Even if I just, I've had patients I've just talked to <laughs> and they're like, I feel so much better now that I've wow. worked with Dr. LeBauer. And all we wow. did was sit and talk for 30 minutes. That's incredible. Wow. Okay. All right. So one more question for you. Now, I know that, and this, I think this is a really important thing to drive home for a lot of people, especially just stepping outside of the realm of physical therapy and, and just catering to our entrepreneurs. What do you have to say to the people? Because I know in your book, you also talked about 80% is enough. Mm-hmm. 
And there are a lot of people that they have this notion and this perception that I can't start this podcast. I can't start this blog. I can't start this business till everything is a hundred percent like perfect. Right. And you know, now they're weeks down the road, they're months down the road, years go by and they never got started on what they wanted to get started on. So could you talk to us a little bit, um, in closing, just on, on, on what that means that 80% is enough and how entrepreneurs can kind of embrace that to, you know, take control of their lives and their businesses? Yes, that's a great question. Here's the thing is up until the day you graduated from PT school, you were trained that 100% is the goal, right? Once you get out and you want to go be a worker bee and, and work for someone else, like, you know, it, things don't need to change. But if you want to run a business and you want to help people and you want to um, create experiences and time for your family and, and have more revenue and ability, easier ability to pay off your loans, um, success loves speed. Okay. Money loves speed. It's not, well, not money loves speed. Success loves speed. And helping people solve problems allows you to generate more money and revenue. And so there's a money mindset problem to it as well. It's like, what if I was too successful? I, this other thing has to be done before I can do it. It's like, oh, but it's not going to work. But in business, 80% is good enough. Like your podcast, the book, the website, it only needs to be viable. It only needs to be this thing that is going to work. It doesn't need to be perfect because the two problems. One, if you wait until it's perfect, someone else is probably going to come out with the idea first or you'll, your thing will be perfect and no one wants it. <laughs> Yep. Right. No one wants to consume it. You're like, but I worked hard and long on it. Yes. <laughs> so you worked long and hard on something that you thought was important, but no one else did. So if we get things viable, we can put it out to market faster. And the faster we make decisions, the more impact we'll have and the greater success we will achieve. And that limit, that level is, it's just got to be able, it's just got to work and look okay. It's not perfect. Perfection is a killer of business. Wow. Oh man, Aaron, this, this episode is going to do a lot of people some justice. Um, man, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. You know, you taking the time out to just kind of drop your, your, your knowledge and, uh, your gems to us and to all the listeners. It's, it's very much appreciated. Paul, did you have anything before we wrap up? No, you just finished it. (laughs) Perfection is a killer business. I'm going to (laughs) go that one for a while. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for uh, hopping yeah. on the episode. Really appreciate it. PT BizCon 2020, March 19th to the 21st. Mm-hmm. Now sign up. Where can they find it, by the way? Um, PTBizCon.com, or you can go to AaronLebauer.com or on Instagram, Twitter, uh, at AaronLebauer, and you'll find my links there too. Okay. And we'll definitely put the information down in the section um where the episode is released as well so we can get more people out there and get more people to level up i really appreciate you coming on it's always a pleasure to get a chance to chat yeah absolutely thanks guys no thank you so much aaron thanks a lot guys thanks for listening once again this is another episode of off the clock the healthcare entrepreneurs podcast and we'll see you next time thank you for listening to another episode of off the clock This episode was brought to you by The Accepted System. The Accepted System is a program that helps pre-physical therapy students get into physical therapy school without wasting time or money. This episode was also brought to you by PhysioMemes. PhysioMemes helps PT businesses to increase their referrals through word of mouth marketing by growing their brand 
with an online store, Physio Memes. This episode was also brought to you by the Acceptance Navigator series. Most pre-PT students go on to spend hundreds of dollars applying to multiple DPT programs, with the majority of them having less than 40% confidence that they will actually get accepted that cycle. You have been taught that regardless of all the work you put into applying, you really don't have much control over your acceptance into PT school. The truth is, you actually do. Let the Acceptance Navigator series show you how. You can find them at www.acceptancenavigator.com. When you go on there, make sure to let them know that Paul and Carl sent you over to jumpstart your acceptance into physical therapy school. Thank you for listening and keep tuning in.